Violent unrest unfolded in Papua New Guinea's capital, Port Moresby, on the 10th of January and subsequently spread to other cities across the Pacific Island country. At least 22 people were killed and several businesses were looted amid the rioting. In response to the unrest, Prime Minister James Marape declared a state of emergency in the capital and approved a defence force deployment in an attempt to restore order in the affected areas. Hello and welcome to this Global Situation podcast from International SOS, the leading health and security risk services company. I'm Natasha McManus. Joining me on today's episode is International SOS's lead analyst for Papua New Guinea, Masab Yusuf, Security Manager, Alex Murray, and Regional Medical Director for Assistance, Dr. Maro Zambon. So Masab, to start us off, could you outline what happened in Papua New Guinea last week? So at around 10 o'clock local time in Port Moresby on 10th of January, our local contacts alerted us to an ongoing strike by the Papua New Guinea police force. Alongside a protest that was taking place over alleged tax increases for security forces and public servants implemented by the government. Things escalated quickly as we saw massive protests and opportunistic looting break out across Port Moresby as police forces refused to respond to any security incidents. Many businesses were vandalised and broken into, while several buildings, including the Prime Minister's office, were also set on fire amid the unrest. It was not until the evening where we saw police end the strike and return to work that some semblance of calm returned to the city. The following day, on 11 January, we saw similar reports of protests and looting in other urban centres across the country, as a significant number of security forces were deployed to Port Moresby to boost security in the capital. This included the second largest city in Leh, in Morobe province, and Kokopo in East New Britain province. As of 15 January, calm has largely been restored across the country, largely due to some of the heavy-handed measures that security forces used, which included tear gas and live ammunition. The country, and especially the capital, Port Moresby, is currently in recovery mode, with cleanup efforts ongoing. The government has also announced financial support for businesses after many shops had most of their inventory stolen during the looting. Could you tell us a little bit more about the causes of the unrest and looting that we saw across the country? So the original protests were organised by members of the Papua New Guinea Police Force, denouncing additional deductions from their pay, which they had claimed was due to alleged tax reforms implemented by the government. Prime Minister James Marape almost immediately denied these rumours and clarified that it was a payroll glitch which had instead led to the decreased pay. But by that point, the unrest had already broken out. Other long-standing issues have also contributed to the original police strike. The police force, in Port Moresby especially, has dealt with steady increases in violent crime and are one of the most understaffed police forces in the world in relation to population size. There's also increasing economic pressures, like rising cost of living. These alleged tax reforms have only heightened these pressures. These same economic pressures are what has driven the looting, much of which has targeted grocery shops where people have stolen food and other essential supplies. Additionally, I think the incident is a clear illustration of the fragile conditions which exist in urban centres across the country. Over the past months, Port Mosby, Leigh and Mount Hagen, for example, have had high levels of crime, in part due to the significant migration of people from the Highlands region. Okay, thanks for the moment, Masab, as I would like to bring in one of our security managers to talk about how International SOS was able to assist during the unrest. So Alex, how were we able to support our clients on the ground? 
We're able to use our existing logistics, security and medical network within country to make sure our clients were supported on the ground. We were also able to use our INA team, both within Australia, but also within country as well, including our human network, as well as our in-country staff who are able to provide us timely updates and allow us to respond to any situation update requests that we may get. This also clarifies the importance of country visits where we're able to plan key logistic evacuation routes and safe havens, which allow us to ensure the safety of all individuals within country. And what advice do we have for people in Papua New Guinea following this period of unrest? So as of the 13th of January, we revised our top line advice that movement can resume within country, however, to abide by all official directives and remain apprised of any developments. So the situation has largely stabilised throughout the country with pockets of scuffles operating throughout some of the major urban centres. There is a state of emergency that remains in place in Port Moresby until the 23rd of January with the possibility that this might be extended. Again, we should have stressed to be prepared to assume a standfast position in the probable event of future unrest. In terms of actionable advice that we would advise ahead of any further unrest, we would make sure that you always have access to essential supplies, including fuel, water, food and medicine, particularly given that the recent unrest and looting depleted a lot of these supplies. We'd also recommend to avoid some of the known trouble spot locations, which are susceptible to ongoing scuffles. Within Port Moresby, Garden Hills, Sabama and Girahu has been affected, as well as Four Mile Area and Leh. Social unrest as well can happen with little or no warning and can escalate rapidly. So we would always advise to vacate the area immediately and head to a secure location. Secondly, we would always say to carry reliable communications, and that means quick access to medical and security emergencies, including contacts for international SOS or any relevant security escorts. Primarily and most importantly, We would always say to make sure that you're confident in all lockdown and stand fast procedures, that you're able to identify safe haven locations and you have robust evacuation protocols. Thanks, Alex. Now I'd like to speak to Dr. Zambon to tell us about how International SOS was able to assist in Papua New Guinea from a medical perspective. Thanks, Natasha. So very interestingly, we actually received a call from a very concerned parent during this time about her unwell child. They were actually considering traversing this tumultuous unfolding security situation to take her child to a local primary care facility. We immediately escalated to our coordinating doctor on duty who performed a telehealth medical assessment and actually provided immediate supportive and medical input to stabilize the situation. We also provided red flags to ensure that any deterioration would be immediately identified and medically monitored the child's condition over the next 24 hours. An immediate escalation was then performed between the specialist operations, intelligence, logistics, security and medical leads to understand the optimal solution, taking into account the circumstances at that specific point in time and on the specific route intended between accommodation and the medical clinic. The outcome was to stay in the secure location and closely medically monitor the child's condition. The child improved and after following the advice provided was on the mend within 24 hours following the first call, which was a great outcome. That sounds like a really interesting case. What do you think the key to driving this successful outcome was? There's a number of number of things to consider here, but I think immediate access to the medical professional to appropriately guide the family to optimal care is the number one point. 
uh, immediate escalation to senior medical operations and security leads or to consider all the possible avenues to support the family is also really, really important. And then the ability to rapidly understand the exact medical network capacity and capability and the security situation and location for the specific request. And finally, the ability to continuously care for the child through telehealth, understanding both the specific situation and the local health and security context is very important. Thank you, Dr. Zambon. Now, finally, back to Masab. What are we expecting to see over the coming days and weeks in Papua New Guinea? We expect tensions to remain high over at least the coming days. While security forces have banned large gatherings to reduce the possibility of more looting, we have seen localized and sporadic instances of looting and also unrest. Additionally, the possibility of localized violent clashes persists, especially since police are operating at a reduced capacity, especially outside of Port Moresby. The government is considering stronger measures, including passing a nationwide vagrancy act, which aims to crack down on increased crimes perpetrated by individuals occupying informal settlements in urban centres, and also the implementation of significant reforms on the police, whose refusal to respond was a key development that emboldened looters. In the coming weeks, we are also keeping a close eye on political developments in the country. Prime Minister James Marape has suspended multiple people in his government, including the police commissioner, and has hinted at a major cabinet reshuffle. We see this as a response to the pressure Marape is facing from multiple angles. At least seven members of parliament, including from his party, have resigned following the unrest, citing a loss of confidence in the current leadership. The opposition leader disputes Marape's claim that there was no planned tax increases, There's also a sense that there is a significant loss in satisfaction from the population over how this whole incident was managed. Prime Minister Marape's immunity to a vote of no confidence will also be revoked on 9th of February following his re-election in 2022. This gives an avenue for recent incidents to herald significant political change in the country. Thanks to Musab, Alex and Dr Zambon for all of their advice and analysis on this situation. That's all for now, but just a reminder, you'll be able to access the latest information and updates on the situation in Papua New Guinea from our website, internationalsos.com. And from there, you can find out more about our global network of assistance centres available to clients 24-7. Thank you for listening and goodbye.